0: This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com. Well, I told you he would be impeached. I told you that Joseph R. Biden, fake Catholic usurper in chief, would be impeached. Well, he hasn't been impeached yet. Not just yet. We need to do it a little bit later down the line. Good morning. Today is the 13th day of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. You are listening to Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. I am Mike Parrot, and I am your host for this hour, the 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday hour, here on the Crusade Channel, where we like to challenge the status quo. I told you that fake Catholic usurper-in-chief Joe Biden would be impeached. Because I told you that impeachment is the new normal. They did it twice to Trump. We've done it once to Clinton. They'll do it to, to Biden. And every subsequent president, just like every Vatican II pope, will be impeached, just like every Vatican II pope will be canonized. This is the cheapening of the process. This is what happens when a nation becomes insolvent. This is what happens when a form of government becomes illegitimate. The processes which are set in place to give some semblance of justice to the people some ability to control their future. Those processes become a mockery. This is a mockery of the Constitution. This is a mockery of the impeachment process. It is only under the threat of losing power that McCarthy very limp-wristedly greenlit the impeachment probe process, which is... The smallest baby step forward that he could have possibly moved towards impeaching fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden. So he has greenlit the Biden impeachment inquiry, which will be the logical next step this week. Now, some, like Representative Matt Gates of Florida, are saying that it's not enough. Some, like Matt Gates, are pointing out that, you know what? This is a pretty small move here, Kevin, and you only did it because you have the slimmest of majorities, and basically Matt Gates and one other person could remove Speaker McCarthy from the speakership. And that would be a very interesting move. Gates went to the floor of the House of Representatives today, or actually yesterday, and he basically made that threat in the open. Now, I'm going to play you about four minutes of Matt Gates, and I want you to understand that although I do believe that lots of American politics is grandstanding and acting and theater i do for whatever reason for better or for worse call me a boomer if you want to i do believe that matt gates is pretty darn serious about what he says and that if he doesn't get his way and he'll he'll list in this video clip in this clip what he wants his demands if he doesn't get the demands met he will move forward and he will align himself with the Democrats in unseating Speaker McCarthy. So really McCarthy has no choice in this matter. McCarthy is walking a tightrope. Here's Matt Gates.
1: On this very floor in January, the whole world witnessed a historic contest for House Speaker. I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. We have had no vote on term limits or on balanced budgets as the agreement demanded and required. There's been no full release of the January 6 tapes. As you promised, there has been insufficient accountability for the Biden crime family. And instead of cutting spending to raise the debt limit, you relied on budgetary gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended up serving as the valet to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. Mr. Speaker, you boasted in January that we would use the power of the subpoena And the power of the purse but here we are eight months later and we haven't even sent the first subpoena to hunter biden that's how you know that the rushed and you know somewhat rattled performance you just saw from the speaker isn't real at this point during democrat control over the house of representatives they had already brought in don jr three times and we haven't even sent the first subpoena to hunter biden power of the subpoena and power of the purse. Only thing the 118th Congress is known for at this point is electing Kevin McCarthy speaker and underwriting Biden's debt. And unfortunately, there's only one of those things we can remediate at this time, power of the purse. Our leadership right now is asking us to vote for a continuing resolution. A vote for a continuing resolution is a vote to continue the Green New Deal, a vote to continue inflationary spending and in The most troubling of fashions, a vote for a continuing resolution is a vote to continue the election interference of Jack Smith. Mr. Speaker, we told you how to use the power of the purse, individual, single-subject spending bills that would allow us to have specific review, programmatic analysis, and that would allow us to zero out the salaries of the bureaucrats who have broken bad, targeted President Trump, or cut sweetheart deals for Hunter Biden. September 30th is rapidly approaching and you have not put us in a position to succeed. There is no way to pass all the individual appropriations bills now. And it's not like we didn't know when September 30th was going to show up on the calendar. I must be better, you must be better, and this House must be better, for it is the last best hope for tens of millions of Republicans. We demand real oversight against this weaponized government. Just look at the bribery. If tens of millions of dollars flowing from foreign corrupt people into the bank accounts of the Biden family wasn't enough for actual impeachment, why were we even looking? Joe Biden deserves impeachment for converting the vice presidency into an ATM machine for virtually his entire family. We all see it. We all know it. Now, moments ago, Speaker McCarthy endorsed an impeachment inquiry. This is... A baby step following weeks of pressure from House conservatives to do more. We must move faster. Now, I will concede that the votes I have called for will likely fail. Term limits, balanced budgets, maybe even impeachment. I am prepared for that eventuality because at least if we take votes, the American people get to see who's fighting for them and who's willing to tolerate more corruption and business as usual. Mr. Speaker, dust off our written January agreement. You have a copy. Reflect on the spirit of that agreement and build on the start that we had moments ago. Begin to comply. No continuing resolutions, individual spending bills are bust, votes on balanced budgets and term limits, subpoenas for Hunter Biden and the members of the Biden family who've been grifting off of this country and the impeachment for Joe Biden that he so richly deserves. Do these things or face a motion to vacate the chair. And let me alert the country. A motion to vacate might not pass at first, but it might before the 15th vote. And if Democrats bail out McCarthy, as they may do, then I will lead the resistance to this uniparty and the biden mccarthy jeffries government that they are attempting to build. I know that Washington isn't a town where people are known for keeping their word. Well, Speaker McCarthy, I'm here to hold you to yours. I yield back.
0: Powerful words. Powerful words from Matt Gates. Powerful words from a man who says that he does, in fact, intend to do what he said he would do. I want to talk about the government's budget for a little bit here, if you don't mind. That's one of the things that is mystifying to people. One of the things which is so confusing to people what does he say when he says we've we, uh, th- that we've had a continuing resolution? What is a continuing resolution? Just very quickly, I'm sure most of you know this. I'm sure most of you uh, can recite chapter and verse to all of this. You know it better than I do. You don't need to be told in your uh, understanding of civics what's going on in a continuing resolution. But what he's saying is more or less... Y'all haven't passed a budget. There's not been a budget passed. One of the purposes of the Congress, of the House of Representatives, is the power of the purse. That's why you hear Gates pejoratively refer to the power of the purse so many times in his four-minute action-packed speech. He says that We're supposed to be cutting taxes. We're supposed to be cutting spending. But a continuing resolution just basically kicks the can down the road. Because September 30th, if there's not a continuing resolution, which is, hey guys, let's just agree to keep the current budget in place until we can pass a new one. It's punting the ball down the field. Since 2010, there have been 47 continuing resolutions. See, normally, uh, a high-functioning government passes a budget every year. And we used to expect that in these United States. We expected the Congress to pass a budget. But eventually, over time, the Congress just stopped passing budgets. Budgets became so, uh, we're not going to pass budgets. We're going to pass what's called a continuing resolution, which basically be- just extends the last budget and adds a little more oomph to everything. The time period for these continuing resolutions has ranged from one day to six months. Only on three occasions, 2014, 2018, 2019, no continuing resolution was approved, resulting in a government shutdown. The federal government is under a continuing resolution Right now, and that continuing resolution expires on September 30th. You heard Gates say, September 30th has been on the calendar for a long time, and now you're all acting surprised that September 30th is coming up. Today is September 13th, and there hasn't been a budget. We need to have a budget. The budgeting process is when Congress gets together and says, These are the line items that we are funding. But you see, they have so much contempt for you, the taxpayer, that they don't even have to define what gets funded and what doesn't get funded. The IRS will garnish your wages. They will take your house. They will take your car. They will seize your bank accounts. But that same government who wields the power of the IRS to shut you down, to steal your business, to steal your wealth, the same government that wields that power has no reciprocal responsibility to you to present you a budget for you to vote on through your elected representatives. This is an extremely abusive relationship that the illegitimate government of the USSA has with you, the citizen. It is extremely abusive, contemptuous, and pathetic that this government has the right to tell you to pay your taxes to fund a continuing resolution, not even a budget. This is one of the many things that Matt Gates brings up in his four-minute-long speech, which we're unpacking here on Parrot Talk, on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio, the way it should be, where he makes the threat to Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, that he will depose Kevin McCarthy. At the end of it, i got to give Matt Gates a bravo. Look, I know that he's a frat boy. I know that he's a partying frat boy. He's a Trumpomaniac. I get it. I know who he is. I know who he isn't. Okay. I'm not claiming that he's some statesman. But at least he points out look, by this point in the last Congress, by this point in the Trump presidency. They had Don Jr. under oath three times. We haven't even sent a single subpoena. You said you were going to investigate the Biden crime family. You haven't. You said you were going to pursue charges against the Biden crime family. You haven't. You said you were going to bring votes on the balanced budget. You haven't done that. You said you were going to vote on term limits. You haven't done that. I know that these things probably won't pass. But at least the American people get to find out who agrees with term limits and who is part of the swamp. Because at the end of the day, one of the only things that the Congress can do, and Matt Getz understands this, is vote on things. And when you vote on something, you put your mark on it. This is a way of memorializing who stands for what. Who's there? Who is who, who showed up? Who is there? Who put their imprimatur on various policy positions? And it can be very, very confusing when you're sitting at home and you think that, well, my guy is pretty good. My guy brings home some bacon into my district. I've met him. I like him. I know his family. We're friends of friends. He's shaking my hand. He's super friendly. He's not part of the swamp. Everybody has that bias. Lots of people have that bias. Especially if your guy or your gal is a Republican. Well, my guy at least... my, My guy's, yeah, a Republican, but he's done good stuff for my district. Brought some stuff home. Whatever. So you start to justify your guy. Well, everyone who is in a district justifies their guy. So their guy their guy gets reelected. This is how the Swamp Creatures continue and continue and continue. I don't know what to say, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Matt, when we reach a point in American politics where a frat boy, a partying frat boy, probably a home wrecker, probably a casual user of drugs, is one of the honest brokers on Capitol Hill. I mean, how do you say that, we, that the Republic is anything but a farce? Kevin McCarthy faces quote-unquote perfect storm of demands as shutdown looms. This is NBC News right now. With a September 30 deadline, the House Speaker confronts right-wing demands to cut spending, limit migration, prop up Trump and impeach Biden, and veiled threats to his gavel. That's not a veiled threat. That's an overt threat. The issues from government funding and aid for Ukraine to a potential impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden are significant individual challenges. But taken together, they amount to a daunting Rubik's Cube for McCarthy who must align a host of competing interests. Little time, paper-thin majority, Democrat-led Senate, White House ready to play legislative whack-a-mole against right-wing priorities. Look, nothing that the House does is going to pass. Nothing that they do with a razor-thin majority is going to matter in the United States Senate. Okay? Gates understands that. But what Gates is trying to point out is we got to find out who all the rhinos are so that everybody knows. So that that phenomenon I told you about, the incumbency, the reelection of the incumbent... The power of the incumbent can diminish somewhat. You may, at time zero, let's say today is time zero, you may have ambivalent feelings towards your swamp creature incumbent Republican rhino in the Congress. But imagine if your Republican rhino do-nothing vagabond in the Congress, swamp creature, is now on record for not impeaching O'Biden. O'Biden. Not- O'Biden. I like O'Biden. That's perfect. He claims to be Irish anyway. He might as well be an o- o- An O'Malley, an O'Brien, or an O'Biden. <laughs> Obama. O'Biden. I think I just made that up. By the way, I'm putting my microphone on mute periodically. So that I can clear my nostrils of all of the COVID germs that are building up in my nostrils. I'm certain I must have the new variant of COVID. I've practically lost all sense of smell. I have extensive nasal drip, a very sore throat and some muscle aches. But I am here with you regardless pushing through the pain because that is what we do at the Crusade Channel. We do not rest until you get your daily fix of live talk radio the way it should be. So I t- look, if there's if there's a little silent pause, it's because I don't want you to hear me clearing my snout, okay, or my beak into the microphone directly. Looming over the month-end deadline is that some right-leaning Republican insists McCarthy's job isn't safe if they don't get what they want. On the one hand, we've got to pass a short-term funding bill, i.e. continuing resolution. And we also have the impeachment issue. Now we also have members of the House, led by my good friend Chip Roy, who are concerned about policy issues. So you take those three things put together, and Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker, has made promises on each of those issues to different groups, and now it is all coming due at the same time. This is uh, from uh, Congressman Roy, that quote, who is a member of the quote-unquote Freedom Caucus. So are we actually going to are we actually going to impeach Joseph R. Biden? I don't I don't know. I mean, I assume that he probably will be impeached by the House on a very slim majority or he'll somehow escape it on some slim majority. And then the Senate will shut it down just like the Senate shut it down against uh, Donald Trump with a few Republicans trying to impeach Trump, including Romney and others. I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at all if fake Catholic usurper-in-chief Joe Biden does get impeached. I think there could be some political blowback if and when he is impeached. It's sort of like the canonization process. The more... Popes you canonize, the cheaper the canonization gets, they're all saints, yes, they're all in heaven, of course, yes, I'm supposed to believe that, I guess, I'm not sure. Okay, they're all impeached, they're all criminals, so what difference does it make? What difference, at this point, does it make? Do you see what I'm saying? If you impeach Biden then you're sending a signal to the American people that Biden is a criminal, and so he's unfit for office on account of his criminality. And yet right now, the alternative to Biden is Trump, who was impeached not once, but twice, and faces four different indictments for his criminality. So how can you have it on one hand and say, well, Biden's a criminal, so you can't vote for him? but then say, well, Trump may be a criminal as well. There's quite a bit of stuff out there. A lot of it is fluff and flimflam, but some of it may be true. How can you be the law and order people and say, with any moral clarity, with any weight to what you're saying, that the office of the presidency should be held by somebody who is not a criminal, when in fact your standard-bearer very likely is also a criminal. Do you see how that works? That's sort of like our Lord saying, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. Are they going to have Donald Trump cast the stone against Biden? I think that would be pretty funny, by the way. I think that if we could get Trump to cast the first stone against Biden, and I think that would be the most logical way to resolve the 2024 upcoming presidential elections. It would make a heck of a lot more sense than the fake processes that we claim to have, which are democratic processes so-called. So I would be kind of all in on that on uh, on casting of stones and finding someone who is uh, blameless. By the way, they want you to get your mask ready. As a follow-up, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to take note,
1: you're all, you're all masking, which is lovely to see, of course, but most government
0: ministers are are not now, most MPs are not, most people on the street are not masking. Is, is there any specific guidance on that going forward at, at this point? So um, it is a layer of protection. We hope
1: people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season, not just for COVID, but for all the other um, respiratory pathogens that will be transmitted around this time. So I do think now is the time
0: to get your masks ready if you don't already have them. Um, In our own particular context, we certainly in our area there's been an uptick in some of the COVID-19 indicators uh for me personally there there have been cases around um Canada's chief public health officer Teresa Tam uh, get now is the time to get your mask ready guys I gotta tell you I was wrong I, I like making predictions because a lot of my predictions have come true I predicted the second lockdown I predicted the third lockdown. I predicted January 6th. I predicted the cancellation of the March for Life. I predicted that Biden would steal the election. I predicted that Vigano would come out and say, I'm not really hiding. Everybody knows where he lives. I predicted quite a few things that have come to pass. All right? But some of my predictions have been wrong. This is probably one of the more glaring predictions. I told you I'm not worried at all about them trying this COVID nonsense again. I don't think they have the balls. I don't think they have the audacity to attempt to force us to believe, to play make-believe and dress up again with them after so many people are awake to it, so many people are immune to it, inoculated against it, presumably... The unvaccinated are inoculated against this nonsense. We unvaccinated, we pure bloods, are actually vaccinated against this bullshit, right? We are. So I just thought, well, there's so many of us, and there are so many regretful of, amongst the vaccinated. Immediate regret or not-so-immediate regret, but there are so many people who regret taking the vaccine and believing in this nonsense that there's no way that they can get away with it again. There's just no way. Well, guess what? There is a way. Where there is a will, there is a way. And these people plan to try to get away with it again. And I was wrong because I said they wouldn't even try. I said that when Alex Jones was coming out and saying, oh, TSA is warning me that the masks are coming back, that there's going to be a COVID thing and in, in September, I was sup- such the skeptic of that. I was like, look, this is so lame. They're never going to try this thing again. We're all woke to it. We're all awake to it. We're never going to allow it. Nobody's going to comply. Well, you know what? A lot of people complied the first time. And a lot of people continued to comply even when they knew that it was all fake. When you get enough people complying, most people are sheep. And when it comes right down to it, when your job is on the line, when you have skin in the game, when you have something to lose, you're just going to take the easy path. Most people are prepared to do that. This is why fighting against the flesh and the world and the devil at all times in the spiritual combat is very important because we develop these muscles to oppose what the world is trying to sell us. But your typical Protestant or atheist or pagan don't have those muscles. They just don't. They don't have the ability to withstand discomfort Because your typical Protestant or atheist or pagan avoids suffering. There is no suffering in Protestantism. There is no suffering in paganism. And there's certainly no suffering in atheism because there's no meaning to suffering. Because suffering is meaningless and therefore it should be avoided, it should be medicated. You shouldn't have to suffer. Suffering is evil, it's a meaningless pain. And pain should be avoided, and if you can use drugs to avoid pain, fine. Because to but to a Protestant, pain makes no sense. Why would anybody have pain? A good God shouldn't allow pain, and if He does, then we should do our we, we should take measures to not feel the pain anymore. Take pain pills. A pagan and an atheist understand pain the same way except without God. They say, well, if they're suffering, it's just bad luck, and we gotta gotta take care of that. Call the anesthesiologist and take the pain away. But to a Catholic, we embrace the cross. We love the cross. We kiss the cross. We understand that God sends the cross to purify us, because our salvation is a continuous process which is only complete at our death. This is why we agree with the Apostle Paul that we have to persevere in the race. We have to go all the way till the end. There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. There's no such thing as like, oh, I got saved in the past tense. That's baloney. We know that our Lord will continue to prune us just like he said he would. That we will be crucified just like he was crucified. So we're the only ones who have developed the spiritual muscles to oppose this stuff. Because we do embrace suffering. In fact, we intentionally suffer. We fast, we alms give, we pray. Those are the three things that we do to combat the world, the flesh and the devil. We give up our worldly possessions. We give them to the poor. We offer them to God and we pray. We like actually pray, mental prayer, hearing the Mass, the liturgies of the church, the Holy Rosary, the various litur- uh, litanies that we have. We pray for people, we pray for our nation. We ask for people to pray for us. Real, live people to pray for us. We ask for the intercession of people who are alive. Both in this world and in the next world. People who are alive, we ask them to pray for us too. We are a more prayerful, more meditative, more deeply spiritual people than anybody on the planet. And so the fact that they're going to try this thing again, we're the only ones standing in their way. You could say in a way that this COVID hoax is meant to expose traditional Catholics because we're the only ones left standing in opposition to this stuff based on reasoned principles. Yes, I know there might be a Protestant here and there who also is opposed to it. Because the spirit told him so. Or some other gobbledygook feeling-based position. We're the only ones with 2,000 years of doctrine of what government is, ought to be, the limitations of it. And by the way, we're the only ones that are ready for death. We expect it. We embrace it. We anticipate it, we prepare for it, I'm ready for it. Or at least I hope I am. I hope I'm in the state of grace, and God help me if I'm not. If I'm not in the state of grace, may I be in what may, may I be there soon? And if I'm in the state of grace, God preserve me there. Those are the words of Saint Joan of Arc when she was questioned before the uh, council. prior to her martyrdom. Everybody else legitimately avoids death. And I would. If my salvation was some past tense thing that happened 17 years ago, I think I would probably do what I could to avoid death. I think there would be a sneaking sensation of fear in my conscience that you know, some stuff has happened in the last 17 years since I quote-unquote got saved. I think I would probably be inclined to take COVID a little more seriously if I were a born-again, past tense, saved, Bible, evangelical, Protestant, whatever. Now, how much worse would be the fear of death for the atheist or the pagan or the Jew. The atheist, the pagan, and the Jew have no sense of salvation. They have no salvific elements to their religions, -religions, anti-religions, pseudo-religions, whatever. They're demon worship. And so they naturally do fear death. They have an aversion to it based on fear of what the afterlife is going to be. And that's healthy fear. And so, clinging to life means that you become a naturalist, believe in science, whatever it takes to stay on Earth, so you're going to comply. If they tell you there's a deadly respiratory virus out there that's going to get you, you are going to believe them and you're going to comply. The, ho- the COVID hoax, the only way it can possibly make sense in my mind that it's coming back, given how many people are awake to it, is that it is a test of the fortitude of the conservative and orthodox and traditional Catholic communities to once again stand their ground. Again, I know that others have stood their ground, but they stood their ground for entirely different reasons. Back in 2020... In early 2020, in the first quarter of 2020, when the lockdown started happening, early March, Roman Catholics stood their ground because they said, I need the sacraments for eternal life. And I would trade having the sacraments for eternal life. I would trade my safety, my bodily safety. In other words, I would accept harm to my body. I would accept a virus that may kill me so long as I can die in a state of grace. And very, very few of us can die in a state of grace without sacramental grace given to us by the sacraments. Very, very few of us will be gifted the crown of martyrdom. Most of us need the sacraments. In order to maintain a level of grace in our souls. To prepare adequately for death. And so, the only reasonable, logical thing to do in the face of lockdowns would say, I will risk my life to go to confession and communion. I will risk my life for confession and communion. I would rather die trying to get the sacraments which I so desperately need for eternal life than to sit at home and be safe and wallow in my state of sin. That is the only reasonable thing to do. And that is why so many of us traditional Catholics saw this for what it was in the beginning. In the very beginning. And that is why even when it was plausible that there was a deadly respiratory virus roaming the streets of the planet, that even though there may actually be a deadly virus, the scarier thought than dying on a ventilator, the scarier thought is dying on a ventilator without the sacraments. That is the only reasonable point of view in this whole thing. And that is why we were the only ones who were awake to it early on. Now, others joined in, and that's fine. I'm happy to have you here. If you woke up in June of 2020, July, August, September, October, November, December, whenever, 2022, 2023, I don't care when you woke up. If you woke up yesterday, welcome to the party. I'm so glad you're here. They're trying it again. If you complied the first time, you will comply the second time. Nobody, and I mean nobody, who complied the first time is not going to comply the second time. Because if you complied the first time, you already made your deal with the devil. You already said, I would rather have my job, I would rather have my social status, I would rather have access to Costco, I would rather have my whatever it is, I would rather have the comforts of this life because being uncomfortable is a suffering. It's a pain. And either we're used to suffering or we're not. We're either used to pain or we're not. And you don't just... Anybody who ever worked out, who has ever gone to the gym, you know you don't just walk into the gym after being away from it for 20 years and start bench pressing your body weight or, or two times your body weight. You don't just do that. Nobody does that. You have to work up to it. You have to build the stamina, the muscles, the endurance. You have to train. If you train for failure, then you will fail. If, in the big event of life, you failed once, what makes anybody believe that you're not going to fail again? If they peer pressured you into complying the first time, why won't peer pressure work again? What has happened in the last three years, two years, one year? Have you built up tolerance? I don't know. I hope you have. Have we had lots of opportunities to be despised by our countrymen? To be put to the test? I don't know. I would say, more than likely, that our life has been pretty decent over the last couple years. Yeah, we don't like Biden. Yeah, there's inflation. Yeah, people are suffering in that regard. But we weren't locked down. We weren't in Nazi prison camps. We weren't in communist Gestapo camps. I mean, look, at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, we're still in the United States of America. Yes, things are bad. You got the groomers and you got the usury and you got the abortion, you got the sodomy and all that stuff. And God should destroy this country in just as he should. He should send the asteroid now from space, which I'm not even sure if there is space. But, however... Comma, pause for effect. We have not had to face much adversity. So unless we have gone out of our way to seek and embrace suffering so that we can grow those habits, those muscles, the will to suffer, unless we have done that, I don't think we're going to survive. I don't think we're going to be able to suffer. I don't think that this last-ditch effort to resurrect this failing hoax virus is going to be resisted. So, it is what it is. The masks are coming back to Canada, to New York, to LA. It's starting again. I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. And I can see that I was wrong, and I can see why I was wrong now, and I think I can see it for what it is. I hope that you can stand strong with me in opposing this hoax. Call it for what it is. Be deplatformed. Be fired. Be escorted out. Be unmasked. Be unvaccinated. Be... Ungovernable. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. I speak to you with this fake virus probably in my body right now, and we are going to push through this. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media, RestoringTheFaith.com.